When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. And now it's time for the TOT Cast with Crystal Cranus, Natea J, and Ryan Greco. And welcome back to this edition of the TOT Cast. I am Ryan Greco here on the Fan Side of Network. And as always, I am joined by Chris O'Cranitz and Natea J. Be sure to reach the show at Tip of the Tower on Twitter. And also, you can reach me at Ryan Greco416. You can reach Chris O'Cranitz at Chris O'Cranitz. And of course, you can always reach Natea at Tay11 underscore. That is T E Y 11 underscore on Twitter and always be sure to like our Facebook page. So how was the weekend for everybody here in Itay? Man, I cannot complain at all. I had a great week. Actually it wasn't even a weekend, it was you know, pretty much uh, American Thanksgiving through December second. You know, it was in San Francisco. I had a great time there, man. It's that's one probably one of the best cities in the world, I'd say, man. Toronto's up there, but San Francisco has definitely gotta be on top of a lot of people's list. Got a chance to see the 49ers play, mm. which was which was amazing, man. Yeah, Lake Tahoe. Oh yeah, oh yeah. man, like the it wasn't. I, th- I think it was probably like ninety percent full. But when the Niners made a play, they, those faithful went crazy. So it was a great time there. Got a chance to see the city a little bit. You know, go out to eat, go to Fisherman's Wharf a bit, and uh, you know, experience San Francisco. Also Lake Tahoe. I mean, that's like. One of the wonders of the world, pretty much, and <laughs> it was it was just amazing, man. The whole place is amazing. I know Chris has been there. What do you think, Chris? Yeah, San Fran is one of my favorite places to visit. Um, I'd live there if I could, to be honest. Yeah. It's kind of like paradise. <laughs> For real, it's hot. It doesn't get too cold. Right. I mean, it gets a little cold by their standards, but it's real nice. All right. There's a little bit of everything for everybody. You know what I mean? You yeah. want to go Lake Tahoe? You want to go skiing? Okay, Lake Tahoe. You want to go to the beach? You know, it's not too far away. So it's kind of like it's kind of like Vancouver in a way where you know, you get good weather and you get a lot of different types of uh, activities going if you want. Got to love that NorCal weather. Now, speaking of birds flying south for the winter, we actually had the uh, Major League Baseball winter meetings happening over in Nashville, Tennessee. And, Chris, you've uh, you've actually got a few developing stories with that. So what's up with all that? Yeah, it's been pretty interesting what's going on in Nashville. The winter meetings just kicked off today, so it's day one of these winter meetings. And it's kind of been interesting, to say the least, with the Blue Jays. Uh, talking to some people that I know that are down there today, they said that the Jays are very active. They're talking to a lot of teams, but nothing is actually imminent or going on in terms of trades or free agent signings. They've literally pursued almost every relief pitcher that they mm. possibly could. Uh, Tony LaCava reiterated that today in his press conference in the evening. Really? Yeah, he said they've they've tried on everybody they could, but... You can't knock a team from trying. I mean, looking at what like a guy like Mark Lowe got, yeah. it's kind of evident that I don't want to pay premium yeah, dollars. yeah. They're trying and to get guys for discounts. 
A little bit, yeah, a little bit. Um, but the most interesting name that's kind of surfaced throughout pre-winter meetings and now at the winter meetings is Chris Davis to the Blue Jays. And I know a lot of fans want Chris Davis to come to the Jays. Yeah, I, I brought that up before. Yeah, but the thing with Chris Davis is unless they make a trade and actually clear some cap space for him, actually not even cap space, unless they make some space financially for him because they say they don't want to extend their budget too much, right? it's not happening. Hmm. I talked to somebody that's familiar with the Jays today, and he said that, Chris Davis? Which Chris Davis? And I said, <laughs> Crush Davis. And he started laughing. He oh, goes, no, man. no, that's just Dude, that's, that's just a rumor. And then Mike Wilner said the same thing on Twitter where he said, Chris Davis, I asked something in the organization, and they also started laughing. Yeah. So I that's, think it's just Boris generating rumors. That's the, Chris Davis was probably one of my my dream Blue Jays. Like, if they could make that work, that would be like phenomenal. Because that, that's a guy that would totally raise his game in uh in, in the Rogers Center. I'm thinking I was just thinking every time he plays the Blue Jays, he goes crazy. So I'm thinking we get that Chris Davis in the Rogers Center, it's gonna be bombs away, lights out. You know, it's gonna be a fireworks show. But you know, like mm-hmm. what you are saying yeah. that it might not even happen. So I'm like Well my, what if you get the Chris Davis of the first half last year? Right. And well that's a, that's, like a, that's a chance you take. That's a, that's a that chance was, to take. That was, that's a home run hitter, right? That's a home run hitter and home run hitters go through lengthy slumps, right? Cuz they you know they're out there trying to jack that thing. So well, I mean, some you invest all that money in? It's kind of not. a landmine. I mean, not not in this day and age of uh, uh because their offense is already, you know, really stacked. I mean, they got long ball hitters. They 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 need more contact more, but I'm saying if you can get a guy like Chris Davis in that lineup, you, you're just making your lineup like once in a lifetime. Well, now, right? let me. No, sorry, go ahead. If you wanted to say something, else. I was just say keep in mind that they would have to create space to get him, so it would probably so, result in a trade, which kind of would lead to what Edwin Encarnacion said today. Allegedly, I mean, this is just a rumor as well; hasn't been confirmed. Uh, Tony Lacava said that he hasn't heard anything about it yet. Right. Is that Encarnacion said he has a deadline of spring training to sign extension with the that. Jays? Yeah. So would that kind of mean that if Chris Davis came, Encarnacion would be on his way out? That's it an interesting like it's take. It's the only logical output, right? Yeah, that's an interesting take. <laughs> I mean, from Encarnacion's point of view, you can kind of see that, you know, as a player, you want you want some security going into the season. Like you want to set deadlines like that, so it gives a little bit of, of you know push to the team to make something happen, or you know, you kind of know where you stand. So if he gets his deal, he'd be happy. But if he doesn't, right, he'll, he'll kind of know him and his agent will sit down. They'll talk about things. They'll talk about where they go from here on out. So. I mean, I don't blame Encarnacion for putting that kind of deadline on the team, but now the ball's in the Blue Jays' court to to kind of make things shake. Well, let's just make this clear right now. Edwin Encarnacion is worth more than Chris Davis. He's, uh, he's a no. better player than Chris Davis. Uh, I think he is. I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't. Why. Let me explain why. Let me explain why. For all the struggles that Edwin has had up until this point. All right, here, I'll pose the question to you guys in this sense. Who's worth more? Who's worth more? Is Chris Davis worth more than Edwin, Edwin Encarnacion? Is he somebody that is going to fetch a bigger contract because he led the majors one year in home runs? 100%. One reason why. Encarnacion, does he play a positional? Like, right. Does he play any position? No, nah, he DHs. Chris Davis can play first base and third base. And outfield. And he can also play pinch. some outfield. Yeah. Right. He can, but the fact that he can play defense still at a younger age right. and is still somewhat mobile on the field makes him a more valuable asset than EE. Think about this. People are okay. talking about Chris Davis being worth over $100 million. Well, right. Don't, don't we afford Chris that, Davis then? Don't use the hundred million dollar as a, a barometer. Use term. So right. What I mean by that is use like his average annual salary, his AAV. 
he's probably going to fetch 20 to 25 mil. Yeah. That's just a typical Scott Boris client move. And where's it going to see on right now? What, 12, well, 13? Yeah, he's right. on a team-friendly deal. But right. we also have his 5 and 10 Another rights. genius move by AA, just saying. Yeah, it was. That was. <laughs> it worked out pretty well. Him yeah. and Bautista worked out. Uh, yeah. I just don't see it happening with Chris Davis. It's too much money. Scott Boris has not had a good pass with us. Keep in mind, yes, it's a new regime, but the last three Blue Jays to have Scott Boris as their agent, Roberto Alomar, he fired Boris. Yeah. Carlos Delgado, he also fired Boris. Yeah. And Brad Wilkerson, who did, I'm not even going to start naming things that he did for us. Right, he's not Blue Jay friendly pretty much. Yeah, and even with the Indians, people want to say, well, it's a new regime. Go look at Brad, Scott Boris's history with the Indians, mm-hmm. and I'll wait. Yeah, you can send me whatever you want as a reply. I'll wait. It's All not right. very long. Let's look at this. He's say, just notorious for say, creating buzz. Say I come in here. I want Chris Davis. What's the scenario where it works? Like, how can we make that? Hey, how can we make that work without sacrificing pitching? Of course. Well, he, here's the only way, in my opinion, that it will work. That's Having Bob question. on a couple weeks ago, yeah, he told all of us that. It depends on ownership. they got to right. pay shareholders. There's a lot of things that got to go right, right, with right. being owned by a corporation. That's right. the Blue Jays' biggest Achilles heel is they're owned by a corporation. Right. So whatever the budget they set, if they hardline this team at 150 mil, right. that technically gives the Blue Jays 18 mil to work with of free money with a lot of holes to fill at the moment. Yeah. So you're looking at somebody like, let's say they trade Ben Revere. That's about roughly six point something mil off the books. Right. Let's say they trade another pitcher. Let's say they trade Ari Dickey. That's 12, there's, right? Yeah, so yeah. there's a healthy chunk off the books. Then you could get a guy like Chris Davis, but then you have other holes to fill. Yeah, because you need another starter. Yeah, so it's looking unlikely right lot, now. But A blockbuster trade would have to happen if right. they want Chris Davis. Okay, so what besides um, besides working on the starting rotation, seeing as we've lost David Price now officially, I mean, we David Price signed in the time between our last episode. What is there besides starting pitching that needs to be addressed right now moving into uh, the Blue Jays uh, next season, going into spring training? Earlier this evening, we're recording this on a Monday night, Tony LaCava at his press conference said that the Jays would like to target a utility infielder. Mm-hmm. Gibbons also said the same thing in his press conference as well, where they'd like to target a utility infielder that because shortstop. that has to play shortstop, right. though, because Devin Travis is going to miss the beginning of the season right. with yep. his, basically his rehab. Right. So considering that this is something that has to play shortstop, is it is it, that to give Tula Whiskey a break? Is, yeah. Okay. I think I so. You. Is this the end of Tula Whiskey as well? Well, the, the they team, don't. They they, they would mascot. <laughs> right. Like they, he's just there, you know. There are a lot he's, of players better. They would love. Gotta give him to the minor league minimum. Back. But let's get back on topic. So yeah, yeah, they yeah. wanna they want a shortstop to is that because they want Gones is gonna play second base, right? Yeah. So they didn't want someone to relieve Tula Whiskey when because he's on that turf. Like, what's the deal with that? I don't know if it's for his turf. It's just more to keep your best one of your well, your highest paid asset. You want to keep that thing healthy. Injury right? prone gotcha. too. Gotcha. Yeah, he's he's had some. He's had history. I'm not saying he, I'm not saying he's going to break down, but I'm just saying that he yeah, has he that, is, that he history. Is, he is. He Honestly, is. if if Tula Whiskey can stay healthy next year, I'll go on a limb right now and say he'll oh, be in the MVP rake. race. Oh yeah. He will oh, yeah. rake in the Rogers Center. So. We'd hope so, especially in the Rogers Center. And and just being in that lineup. Yeah. Right, he's going to get a lot of bats. You know what I mean? He's going to get a chance of driving a lot of runs. So you saw what it did to Donaldson right Well, let's now. keep in mind, too, the other thing the Jays are going after is relief pitching, right? Yeah. So where that stands in terms of whether it be a closer or whether it be a setup man or just – they just need depth in the bullpen, period. I think Asuna's going to close because, like we were told a couple of weeks ago, he wants to close. I think Sanchez will move back into the starting rotation because he wants to. So they're going to push for that in the spring training. If it fails, it fails. Somebody I spoke to today at the winter meetings told me that the Jays, they don't want to spend a lot of money on the bullpen 
and what they're kind of looking for is reclamation projects, kind of like mm. a Steve Ciszek. So you're looking to get guys yep. with high ceiling, mm-hmm. low pay right now. Th- there's a big risk with that, right? Because if these guys don't actually work out, it's true. It's just serving up cock shots all night for guys to <laughs> jack out of the park. <laughs> the sad truth about bullpen pitchers is that every single one of them that are in the majors, unless you're a Heraldus Chapman, I mean even a Chapman, every single one of them are failed starters. Almost every single one of them are failed starters. Right. They're guys that have moved back to the back of the bullpen to try and fill another role. Right. But every sing- almost every single one of those guys that have made it to the majors have been scouted as either a starting pitcher or a guy who has a lightning, has a lightning fastball that can close out games. That's the, that's the fact of it. And a lot of these guys have even started in the bullpen that, were, that turned out to be great starters. Well, think of this, too, with the bullpen right now. If Mark Lowe got two years and roughly $14 bucks, so that's about... Anywhere from six to seven average annual salary for him. Guys like Greg Holland, Jeremy Afelte, Chris Capuano, Al Albuquerque, David Hernandez, on and on. Guys that we would consider to be average or above average relief pitchers. What are they going to get? Could, could the Jays actually go out and pay these kind of relief pitchers? Or are we really truly looking at right. what's left after the dust settles? Honestly, it doesn't seem like it. And here's where I think the Blue Jays kind of get hurt by kind of not selling the farm but giving up a lot of pitching prospects to in all those trades last year you know to getting to the whiskey yeah uh, in all those trades you know they gave up a ton of pitching prospects like uh what what they gave up like nine pitching prospects in total in all, all those trades that they made it's quite a bit it's quite a bit so those guys would have been coming up this year and you know quite possibly could have made an impact in the pen or maybe as filling in for starters it's, it's gonna it remains to be seen but you know, that's where you see where those trades uh, you know, come have a little bit of impact. Well, with the trades, though, they were kind of banking on this yes. this big three, per se, yeah. of Stroman, Sanchez, Osuna. That's their future. That's what they want to lock up, whether it be one transition to the bullpen and two starters or all three are starters. That's really, truly what they're banking on going forward. So if that can work out, I think a lot of things will start to fall into place around it. But I pose this to you guys. What do you think their biggest need is to address during these winter meetings? Is it Chris Davis? Is it the bullpen? Is it a starter? Is it a utility? What do you guys think? Well, they, yeah, go ahead, Ryan. I was saying they got enough bats. Let's get some defense out there. Let's get some consistent defense. One thing we got exposed in the playoffs was uh, was our bullpen. So that's I'll leave it at that. That's it. I mean, yeah, you have to remember this team won the AL East, so we're already talking about a strong team, right? The weaknesses aren't going to be as glaring as you know some of the worst teams in the league, but it's going to be like little little nicks and tweaks here and there. I would like to see a little bit more speed. You know, you know, Revere was a nice pickup. A little bit more speed. You know, they have guys that can hit at the park, but let's get like some more guys on the bases. Let's get some guys moving around. Let's get like the kind of Kansas City model going. I mean, so personally, that's what I like to see. You know, everybody talks about the bullpen. That's obvious. Uh, just get some more speed. Uh, speed at the bottom. I mean, we have we have Pilar, Goins. You know, they're good runners. Revere, like, for as fast as he is, it's crazy the amount of bases he doesn't steal. You'll see that this year. Okay. Okay, that's what if I'm looking forward here, to. If you'll see that this okay. year. I would say for myself, I mean, the bullpen is an obvious area of need. Mm-hmm. But after that, this team resembles more of the Royals model, per se, than people would like to expect, especially in the starting rotation. Stroman is going to be our ace. Right. After that, Sanchez is kind of the wild card like Jordano Ventura was, or still is a little bit. If that works out... That'll be great. And then God after willing. that, it was just <laughs> it's just a bunch of guys that fell into place at the right time, right, at the right, right spot. Yep. Literally, they just, like, look at Chris Young. He's a fly ball pitcher who fits perfectly in that ballpark. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to harp on analytics here, right. but 
that could be something that works with the Jays. Right. And aside from that, instead of spending the money on Chris Davis, why don't we go out, get some relief pitchers, and why don't we go get a guy like Justin Morneau? He's a Gold Glove defender. He probably wouldn't cost a lot to come home and play in Canada. Yeah. And he can. He's he's a high OBP guy. He would get on base. A number six hitter. That's he what we talked. That's what Bob us. talked about, right? Yeah. Justin he packs Morneau, his bags coming. If, yeah. If you're a guy that love to play here, I mean, I'll be I'll be very interested to see if they can make that work. Uh, you know, a guy like. First base has not been great for us defensively, right? I mean, they have the duo, Justin Smoke, uh, what's his name? Chris Caldwell. Chris Caldwell, right. right. And, and together, I mean, if you put both their stats together, what they're, they had a pretty good year offensively, right? But you saw late in the year how defensively Smoke made a couple of errors that, you know, we could use an upgrade at that position. And, you know, you can if you can kill two birds with one stone, get more no to fit those two guys. Former maybe, MVP, too. Former MVP, maybe clear up some space uh, and salary cap so we can – you know, get some relief pitchers, that'd be awesome. I think so, too. It'll be interesting to see how everything develops and unfolds here at the winter meetings. So stay tuned, guys. Hey, what's up? This is Tavon Smith, wide receiver from Iowa Hawkeyes, and you're listening to COT Pass. All right, guys, over the weekend, the Raptors took the Golden State Warriors down to the wire again. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll be honest, I was happy they covered the spread plus eight. I had the money <laughs> line, but I lost. I had to throw that in there. It was well worth it. But all betting anecdotes aside, what did you guys think of the game? I thought that it was uh, another perfect example of how um, well the Raptors were able to uh, match up against both Klay Thompson and Steph Curry, uh, seeing as we have such a long front court in DeRozan and uh, Lowry, and we also have um, uh, Terrence Ross when he's coming into the game. Uh, it's a good perimeter defending team. That's what the Raptors are. When you, have, when you have all of that added in as well with Damari Carroll, he did what he was brought in to do. He was brought in to be a defensive stalwart, especially up on the wings, and it was causing fits for the Warriors all nights. Curry made the shots that he's going to make, but I'm really proud of the Raptors and how they played. And you know what? It's funny. A lot of people said the Raptors were going to give them a tough test, and that's exactly what they did. Yeah, I'm proud too. They seem to always match up with Golden State pretty well. I mean, you look at the two times they played this year, and they've been really tight games. And even when Toronto does get down and Golden State goes on a little run, the Raptors are able to respond Maybe not as quick as Golden State, but they're able to respond by playing some good defense and you know going on a run on their own. So, you know, I was impressed by the uh, by the game, but I'm a little worried still. I mean, late game situations seem to always haunt the Raptors. I think they need to do a better job of. I mean, coaches need to do a better job of getting organized so we can have better late game possessions. What do you guys think about that? I 100% agree. I mean, this I'm not going to harp on this too long. The DeRozan ISO stuff. We didn't see a lot of it on Saturday, but we have throughout this season. I prefer to see the ball in Lowry or even Joseph's hands. That would be my opinion on that in terms of the fourth quarter offense. But it's still kind of early. They can still progress. Early. They yeah. can definitely progress. Yeah. I mean, you like to see the fight. That's what you look for early in the season. You know, the team competing. Do you think you, they have what it takes to compete in the playoffs? And you're definitely seeing that right now. Well, what about this? Because people were throwing this theory around before the game started trying to pick a game for the Warriors to lose. Right. They said they're professional athletes. They're still human beings. They get into Toronto on a Friday night. Right. Maybe they went out. The game's at an odd time Saturday. It's weird. It kind of seemed like the perfect storm for them to potentially it lose. Did. It did. Do you think that helped the Raptors at all? Uh, I don't even think. The Warriors think, don't strike me as the type of team no, to go out, though. No, they're not that one of those teams. And I, I've heard, I've seen games where announcers talk about the, the maturity level of that team. They don't have guys that are... Are, are big parties. Like, if you look at Steph Curry, you know, he's a big family man. Clay Thompson, you know, he's a guy that, you know, his dad was in the NBA, so he knows how to get himself prepared for games. I think probably one of the biggest guys for that it would be Draymond Green, but they don't have a team full of guys like that, you know what I mean? So they'll come ready, prepared to play every game. 
But Toronto was also known as like one of those on those Sunday afternoon games, one of the biggest trap games one in of the history, best bets of life. right? In the history of the NBA, <laughs> even Michael Jordan lost right on one of those Sunday games. So, I mean, it, I would feel better if it was a Sunday game. But since it was a Friday game and they got in late, they probably all just got their sleep. Okay, you know what's funny? You mentioned Jordan. I know it's kind of off topic of the Raptors, but do you guys think this team has a shot at the Bulls' record? What do you think, Ryan? I think that uh, they have a legitimate shot at it. Do I think they're going to do it? No. I think that's her. No. <laughs> no, I'm not being a hater. I'm I just I don't see it in this time of day. We've got uh as many back to backs as this schedule has nowadays that the Bulls just didn't have back in those back in the nineties. Between that and I, I really just don't I don't see them being able to pull it off. Someone on some day there's gonna be a few nights where they're not gonna be able to do it. Like I said, they'll they'll get up there. No, honestly, like just unbiased fan opinion. Looking at the league, no, they're not going to do it. That's fair. I mean, I could understand why you would say they wouldn't. But I think right now is a pretty compelling case of why they could as well. But I'm kind of on the fence with this, so I'm not going to lie to you. I, know Honestly, it's, I think it's just they, too, okay, early they to have, they it's have, too early to tell. It's still. too early to tell. But they literally have 60 games left, right? They need to win 48 games to, to tie that record. They need to mm-hmm. win 49 to break that record. Do I think it can be done? I'm going to say yes. You I'm going to say yes because... They have the MVP of the league, Steph Curry, who's playing at an unbelievable. He's pace actually right even now. better this year than he was last yeah, year. Way better, right? He's gonna win another MVP. He's doing. He his range is from like at least thirty-five feet yeah. right now. As soon as he crosses half court, he's in range. They're, they're playing. They have, they have the ultimate team. Everybody knows their role. Their bench players know what to do. They can do it. If they stay healthy, they'll definitely have a shot. Considering how close the Raptors played them, where does this leave the Raptors after twenty games in the Eastern Conference? What do you guys think of them? They're right where I thought they would be, right in the middle of the pack. You know, they might drop to seven. Uh, I think with tonight's win, they move to fifth. 13-9 now. Right. So the whole, the, they have the most wins in the East. With, they tie with Cleveland for the most wins, right? And I can't East, believe that. Yeah, the East is pretty jam-packed right now. So And it's actually good you know, this They're year. right where you think they're going to be. I'm looking for the Raptors. For them to have a successful season, they have to win a first-round playoff uh, matchup. That's That's what I'm thinking. Um, I said this a few episodes ago. If the Raptors could survive that West Coast trip and come out with at least a couple of wins under their belt and know that they can hang with those guys, that they were going to be in good position moving forward. This is a team we expect to make the playoffs. This is a team I feel is going to make the playoffs. Uh, they're going to feel a bit of a challenge this year for the Atlantic Division title, but I still think they can pull that off if they stay healthy. This team has gotten better from last year, uh, as has the rest of the Eastern Conference, though. You know, you've got True. teams like Atlanta True. who's been able to New stay. York. The, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. New York has gotten a lot better. Charlotte, Charlotte. Yeah. They're every single one of the teams that were like guaranteed under five hundred teams last year mm-hmm. are now this year making something of themselves. Yet I also feel the Raptors can still win the Atlantic Division title. They are better themselves. The one thing I just want to leave off on the on the Warriors game with the Raptors. I'll, I'll, I'll make this real quick. Damari Carroll was not on that team last year. This team lost by 25 to the, to the Warriors. This is a team that got blown yes. out by the Warriors both times they faced them. This That's is a better point. Warriors team facing with a better Steph Curry. And the Raptors had a guy, a premier perimeter defender, and Damari Carroll could do it all as far as that concern. And also to play on what you guys were saying with Biombo, a guy who can actually pass down low. Mm. This is a better Raptors team. They've been and helped a lot, too. They've, they've actually closed the gap. I could actually argue to say that they've closed the gap towards the Golden State Warriors compared to where they were last year with that team. Absolutely. More than almost any other team in the NBA, most improved. Absolutely, short sample size though. It is a short sample yeah. size, but I'm I'm just putting it out there. I would definitely say they're drastically improved, and a big reason for that is the new Kyle Lowry that we're seeing. He lost all that way in the off season. How much that's actually helping him, we don't know. I just think the dude flat out balls every night, regardless. 
He's one hell of a player. Where do you guys think he ranks right now in the East? Is he elite? Is he is he filing that upper echelon of point guards? I think he is. I think his play so far is justifiable for it. What do you guys think? The Bay, the Bay Street Bulldog is what he's known as. I like it. Yeah, I you like know it what? Uh, I would put him as the number one point guard in the Eastern Conference right now. Um, you look at guys like Derrick Rose, often injured, very one-sided, okay? he uh, He's a scorer for his point guard. Kyle Lowry does it all. He passes. He rebounds. He plays tough defense. He does everything you look for in a top-tier point guard. I would have to say he's up there. He's going to make a second All-Star game this year. Uh, I'm predicting that. And he's going to start. I'm thinking. I'm thinking he's going to be a starter. That's where yeah. I'm going with that. What do you think, Ryan? I think that um, if he's not the best, he's he's second or third best, uh, top three in the league as far as point guards are going right now. Mm-hmm. I think you can make that I, argument for yeah, him. I'm saying number one in the East. You saying top three in the whole league? Top three in the whole league right now, playing right now. I think not he's only, up there. Yeah, not only that though. <laughs> you know, this is a guy. This is a guy. This is a guy who. What's the word here? I'm looking for. He makes everybody around him better on the court, and it's visibly apparent. Right. Especially when him and Joseph are paired together. Yeah. It's been ridiculous. I like he's that. not I like he's that not a flashy guy either. He's not a flashy guy. You're not going to see him doing a killer crossover to break someone's ankles. You're not going to see him hit a, th- a step back three in someone's face, but the guy produces. He gets buckets and he drives to the to the hole with an old Philly Broad Street bully mentality and I love seeing it. Yeah, he has what scouts like to call that it factor too. There's been plenty of times this year where we've the Raptors have kind of lulled asleep in let's say midway through the third quarter or early on in the third. Lowry just comes out, guns ablaze, and then carries his team, puts it on his back, and he he has that it factor that you just can't describe, and it, and he it hits goes open shots. He can't teach, and yeah, he just has mean? it, and and, and he's very infectious. Like you know, he starts playing hard, you know, he infects the rest of the team. Yeah, and rubs he, off everybody. Need that quick so. question: What did you guys think of Terrence Ross's performance tonight with Impressive. the with the Lakers? You know what I thought. <laughs> It's it's tantalizing. It's so frustrating with him. He played so can well. Do it. Yeah, he you see it and Crazy. he makes it look so damn easy. He's a hell of a trade bait, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> you would think, but at the same time, if you if he can stay consistent with this, why would you trade somebody like that? I mean, that's literally the duality of him where it's just you see one player, then you think to yourself, Should I sell high on this asset or should I wait on this and have a potential superstar? Yep. Right. Superstar is a little lofty, but when you see things like he did against the Lakers tonight, it's frustrating. It makes you it's think. really frustrating. And I, I can see both sides of it. As management, it's really frustrating. But as a player, you know, he's always he, he knows he has the talent, right? So there's no urgency, right? That that's what I'm seeing from him. And if he can just pull it together and you know get the right people on his ear and, and just be so and just be consistent, just be on his game consistently, he'll be a hell of a player. But you know, right now he's stuck in between, and uh, you know we're waiting to see what will happen. All right, now I'll leave, I'll leave the Ross conversation on this. To quote a now new arch nemesis the Raptors have in the Washington Wizards, he is literally caught in the land between Austin Porter and Bradley Beal. You mean Otto, Otto, Porter? Otto Porter? Otto Porter and Bradley who, Beal. Who? Who are you talking about? Ross? Ross? It's the, I think Beal is a better shooter than Yeah, Turner. Beal is, you know, as a two guard, he's probably, he's a top no, 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 seven that's, or eight two that's, guard. That's the but point. He's, he's that's the point. In between. That's oh, the point, saying, guys. I'm saying he's stuck in between yeah. Porter and Beal. Yeah. He's in that. I'm, he's in that. Yeah, that's a yeah good he's in that range yeah, right yeah. now. We don't know if he's going to be Bradley Beal or we or don't know Otto if he's Porter. or if he's going to be Otto Porter. Has a ton of po- potential. Just yeah, never exactly. Really but you know what though? Whether we like to admit it or not, the star of tonight's game, he actually played all right. Kobe, Kobe? was Kobe. It's the retirement <laughs> tour. Oh god! It's the old uh, folks strolling in and all you know the, the, the yep. You know the standard by which we judge Kobe has dropped drastically. 
So by has it though? I mean, no. Take, take a listen to what I Kyle Lowry had to say I about him tonight. Yeah, yeah. take a listen to this. Very unbelievable for me. It's you know one of the greatest players of my era, my time, and you know him there for Philly. Um, it just shows a lot, and you know the respect I have for him and the things he's done throughout his career is amazing. And uh, it was a sad day for me knowing I won't get to play against Kobe Bryant anymore. But you know I'm glad I got to play against him for ten years and, and witness greatness. Yeah, we're seeing that a lot now where guys are, you know, kind of paying homage, right? This is, you know, a lot of guys' last chance to get their little piece out there on Kobe, and, you know, guys are taking full advantage, you know, with the Jeter tour. Right. You know, with a superstar mm-hmm. like that, it's all going to be all love from here on out, so get ready for it. You know, what else is he going to say? The kid's from Philadelphia, grew up watching Kobe, I, I, I bet you, no doubt. Um, he's one of the lucky guys, as he said. He had a chance to play against him for 10 years. He was able to watch Kobe in his prime, play against him in his prime. Honestly, yeah, what else are you going to expect from any of these guys, to be perfectly honest? It's the, friend, it's the super friends now. It's the friends league. Don't nobody, don't nobody not like each, any, each other anymore. Like it's, no, that's not how guy, it's going to no, work. No, there are guys that don't like. like There's no t- it is a friends the, league. Clippers you can't. Oh, the Clippers hate each other more than they hate other teams, okay? <laughs> okay, that's a rivalry right there. Like, <laughs> I'll, I'll be honest, the NBA lacks rivalries, in my opinion. It does, it does. But the only it, time we stir up a rivalry is when we just want to pin somebody against LeBron. Or if we'll go back to, like, fans will be like, oh, Lakers, Celtics. Right. If they're both good, we would definitely draw that analogy. Well, think about the best team right now. Who's the best team in the NBA? It's Cleveland still. Cleveland, Golden State. Cleveland, Golden State. So, Golden State, does anybody hate anybody on Golden State, literally? Does anybody? Like, they're a bunch of nice they're guys. They're very likable. Right. They're very likable. All their stars are Everyone likable. loves each other when you win. No, 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 no. I'm just saying Golden State has a bunch of likable look, superstars. Look at the finals okay. last year. Right. Everybody's taking a dump on LeBron at the end. Right. He should have gotten saying, MVP, by the way. He should have gotten MVP of that freaking series, but whatever. <laughs> you know, this is, but, this is the NBA we have now because AAU and and things of that nature. Guys grew up playing against each other, being friends, and then getting to the NBA. You're not gonna hate a guy that you grew up playing with, or, especially you know if what I mean? especially if said guy is probably worth uh, what twenty million, and you're right. worth twenty million. Let's all go be rich together all, and go club. Let's all get this let's money together. Let's exactly, get this money literally. together. Yeah, anyway. everybody eats. That's why everybody a lot of people eats. have a hard time. Taking the NBA serious at times, though. I'm not glad you, myself included, at times because it's just some nights it just you lacks want, intensity. You are, so you yeah. want guys going at each other's throats? Like, like I don't want them going at each other's throats. I don't want that. I, I don't do. want Lambeer coming out yeah. and close <laughs> line, line guys, from hell. I do. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on, let me let me just say something. It, it will be nice what? to see superstars compete more. Yes, I'll say that. Let me just say something real quick. A lot of it is, as we know, you know, before we get too deep down the rabbit hole, a lot of it is also because a lot of these kids have been treated like celebrities since they were 13, 12 years old. And they're now granted that obviously happened back in the day, but it didn't happen to the level and magnitude that we see now. Guys that are on the 15th man of the bench are getting absolutely allotted and plotted and put on YouTube and they're getting overnight celebrity status from the time that they're in grade school. And yeah. I think that's just taking the edge it, off a lot just, of these honestly, kids. It's, it's just it's the truth. This day and age with they never had a chance media. to actually grow up and be and, kids. Like, right, I, I get it, but it, it's, it's the time that we're in, and we just need to appreciate this time of basketball for what it is. You know, it's a social media age. You know, everything's cool. Everything is out there in public, and you know, nobody's hiding from anything. So we just need to appreciate the we just need to appreciate the time for what it is. You know, what I mean, I'm sure people in the 80s and 90s were complaining too, right? So you're always gonna find Probably. somebody to complain about something to complain about. So we just need to just take a take a breather, appreciate Steph Curry's three balls splashing in. And you know what we need to appreciate, man? <laughs> is Tim Duncan is still marching on all this time very quietly. He is what we all should be. <laughs> I agree. But I hey, agree. before agree. we all try and say Old that man this Timmy. is... Yeah, before we all try and say this is Kobe's last game in Toronto, 
It may be his last game in a Lakers uniform, but let's be real. He's coming back for the All-Star game, oh, yeah. February 14th. He's going to wear yeah. the West. Yep. That'll be his last game in Toronto. He's getting exactly. voted in 100%. He's getting voted in 100%. He has to be. It's, it's a farewell tour. Just like Michael Jordan had his, and now it's time for Kobe to have his. Since Kobe's pretty much going to get into the All-Star game based off his legendary status, after that, the Lakers are going to probably retire his number. Speaking of retired numbers... Who would you guys retire in Toronto sports history that isn't already a retired number? There actually isn't too many numbers that are retired in Toronto. Ryan, is there anybody you would suggest that we could actually look into retiring? It's really sad because, you know, for a city that does try and pride itself on its fan base and everything that we all like to pay homage to all the legends that have came before and, oh, they're fantastic and they're great and all this and that, yet we have absolutely no real appreciation for any of these legends or Hall of Famers. You know, there's there's some guys in this organization of sports that we've had in this city that are it's sad but you know what i want to start off and i want everyone to know and to remember one specific player who was able to redefine an entire pitching generation the most underappreciated pitcher possibly of all time not just in toronto sports i'm talking about in all of major league baseball and that is none other than roy halliday roy halliday came up in a time when Boston and New York were doing nothing but slugging it out for the ALE's crown, and we had absolutely no business getting involved with that. We had horrible management. Thank you very much, J.P. Ricciardi. We had a lineup that was overpaid. Thank you very much, Alex Rios, <laughs> who once again found a way to screw us over in the ALCS this year. I'm not going to mention the play. I'm not really going to get too much into it, but all you need to know is that in the time that Roy Halladay was in this team, talk about a self-made man, too, a guy who got sent all the way back down to A to refigure out his stuff redefine himself as a pitcher, comes back throwing dirty cutters at 92-93, cutting out the knees of the very best hitters in all of baseball that were there in the AL East, and surefire Hall of Fame status. And he was able to do all of that with one of the least amount of support, thus making himself the most dominant pitcher of his generation that no one will ever talk about in the long run. Roy Halladay, number 32. The fact that he's not already up there is a crying shame. So it's safe to say you retire his number. Yes, I would retire his number. <laughs> what about uh, Carlos Delgado? That's a Royal Holiday was a good one, man. I remember you know watching Blue Jay games, and he every time he came on, every time he pitched, every, every time his turn came up, he knew he was going. It was a sight to see. He knew he was going at least seven innings. He knew he was going to give it everything he had, and you knew he was going to give this team the best chance to win the game. So, man, that's a great one. Roy Halladay, <laughs> first ballot Hall of Famer, that's baby. Great. That's that's one of the first pictures of like my time watching baseball that truly dominated. You know what I mean? Because we didn't get to see like the guys that won the World Series really. Because we didn't. No, that's true. We saw really, Roger Clemens here. That's true. Uh, I remember Roger Clemens, but not really. Do you really remember him? Like, never, one I'll, year, right? I'll never forget the stare when I was a kid when he went back to Boston to pitch yeah. and he oh, threw yeah. a gem and he looked up at yeah, the press yeah, box, yeah, yeah, basically yeah. the whole "f you, yeah. you let me go" and yep. I deal with it. I'll never forget that. The Absolutely. thing was, Roy Halliday was like. Like years and years, every single year. Oh, I agree. You know, Class he, act. He too. grew up with Class us. Class act. Right. What, what about Carlos Delgado? What do you guys think about him? Does he meet the standard? I think in in, in uh, franchise, he owns most of the records, right? So just by that standard, I think he would. You know what I mean? He has been the Blue Jay that's you know produced the most, and that can't be looked at as some a small feat. You know what I mean? I'd say Carlos Delgado definitely deserves to be up there. I think he'll get a fair shot because something to keep in mind with Delgado is he's in the Canadian Baseball Hall of Fame as well. So if you can meet that standard in Canada, that's got to mean something. It's not quite Cooperstown, but the fact that he's there, he loves Canada. 
Yeah, that's just like a side anecdote. See, the him. one knock on Delgado is like he never, he never made it to the playoffs. He never, you know, really carried a team through a long, you know, even getting close to the playoffs, even a long, you know, August September run. You know what I mean? He, he, you'd have great numbers, but he just never was that that leader that could carry us to the playoffs or you know or even championships. I don't think that's a fair thing to say. He was it's not fair. It's not fair. It's not. Yeah, that, yeah, he was. But the it thing is, really that, that's fault. going to be his knock, though. Yeah, baseball, knock. Was he a winner? At, at the end of the day, though. was he a winner? I don't know. Because I know I, I know where Haldis' record, what, what, you know what I mean? I know his record. and How many playoff appearances does he have for the Jays? If I you're going to go off retiring Jays' numbers. When he, when he, say, w- let me ask you a question. Sorry. Let me, let, me, let me just ask you a question, then. Roy Halladay is the kind of guy where he can control the setting of a game, much like a quarterback. Correct. Right? You look at a guy like Carlos Delgado. You can put him more in a position of either a running back or a wide receiver, a guy right. who can change the game when he's involved in the plays that he's involved in. Correct. So if you see a guy like Carlos Delgado and doing everything that he did with all that was allowed to him mm-hmm. and the situation that he was set in, let me give you this. Randy Moss, for everything that he's done, is he any less of a Hall of Famer because he didn't win a ring? No, but Randy Moss was the once-in-a-generational type of athlete that – you know, produced like he for his and how first did five Delgado years. Of, not produce because he first, walked away, like you said, with most of, is, the, well, most of the most of the club records. The right? thing is, that's going to be his when he knock. retired. That's going to be when he his, left. That's what I'm. I, I'm not saying it's my knock on him. I'm going to say that's what other people consider to be his one knock. Randy Moss, though, that's that's a whole other spectrum. That's uh that's a ter- extraterrestrial man. That guy, <laughs> that guy was six foot because he was on a team that could, could win. No, he not just that man. Randy Moss was you know changed the game. He changed the way defenses were played. A generational player. He was, Truly, did Carlos Delgado change? Like he, what? Did he had a shift on him. Okay, he changed the way defensive coordinators scheme plays up. He changed playbooks mm-hmm. with one with he literally ran one route. I don't know anybody else that could ever do that. He was six foot five. He's as tall as the tallest receiver. He can run as fast as the fastest receiver. He can run routes like the best route runner. He had hands like the best catcher. I mean, there was nothing this guy couldn't do other than go over the middle. Last thing I would leave you on about Carlos Delgado, (laughs) just to say, sorry, is that all I know is one, I definitely agree in the fact that he should get his number retired as a Blue Jay, but I'll, I'll take it a step further, and I believe that he should get in the Hall of Fame for a simple fact that a lot of the numbers he finished around, guys around him, mm-hmm. ended up in the Hall of Fame. But there's no chance he's ever going to get right, in there now because right. he's been overlooked a, too many times. Right. I think he just had a he was a he was a player that was in with bad timing. Believe me, I'm a Delgado fan. I mean, I, I grew up watching Delgado, but... You know, to compare him to somebody like Randy Moss is kind of ludicrous to me because Randy Moss literally changed the game. I think he certainly said that changes the game. But there's one thing I noticed between you two when you guys always go back and forth speaking. You're always saying sorry. You're a bunch of Canadians that are always apologizing. And if there's one <laughs> I guy... I remember saying sorry. You, you guys are always saying, saying sorry. No such sorry. Thing. I hate you, Nate. <laughs> but if there's one guy in Toronto sports history I'd like to say sorry, I think it's Vince Carter, which is somebody who is eligible... For the wow. retiree number, but man. I think he'd like to say sorry first before he retired his number. Man, Vince Carter was my guy, man. Like, listen, that's one guy that I'm. That's my guy that I'm gonna retire his jersey no matter what. Just like Holiday was your guy? No, yeah, Delgado's not. <laughs> <laughs> but listen, Vince Carter. That's you're talking about Randy Moss type impact. That's Vince Carter. He came into a hockey a hockey mecca, right? 
and turn a bunch of hockey-loving Canadians into basketball fans. You know how hard that is to do? It's pretty hard, eh? That's hard to do. I'm and all he had you. to do was jump over a Frenchman. Dude, it, it, but he did more than that. But it's like it's like me going to damn England and turning all those football hooligans into American football fans. You know what I mean? I can imagine. Like, imagine doing something. That's well, kinda, with your personality in listen, China, they wouldn't stand a chance. Listen, thing. that's the kind of impact. <laughs> <laughs> that's the kind of impact Vince Carter had on Toronto, and you know it's a shame that his jersey isn't retired because if you He's look at if you look at the impact he had on the game, it's incredible. Substantial. Like, you so, like look, he he won the dunk contest. Okay, he changed the way people started dunking. He changed the way people started looking at dunking. Then he had a three pointer to his game. He was literally unstoppable at the height of his career, right? Then you look at near the end of his career where you have guys coming up like Andrew Wiggins, uh, Anthony Bennett, two number one picks from Canada. Did we ever think we'd see a day where there was two, not 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 one, but two number one picks from Canada? I mean, that's the kind of impact that Vince Carter had. And uh, I remember listening to an interview from Vince, and he was saying, that was like the one thing he was most proud of. All the kids that came up idolizing him and that were able to make it to the NBA from from the Canada area. And you know, I'm thinking about it. And football is not a big sport in Canada. Basketball is not a big sport in Canada. Hockey is the number one sport in Canada. And to have kids coming from Canada making it in the NBA is, is truly a remarkable accomplishment. And we can thank Vince Carter for that. And I think just because of that, he should be in the Hall of Fame. What do you guys think? Well, I think he'd definitely be close, but if there's one thing you could say with his impact in Toronto, look at the courts that he had in his name here, the Vince Carter courts that they were making around the city. Yeah. That obviously helped a lot. I mean, you've got to be a special player to get courts in your name. It right. wasn't just because he was the hot flavor of the month. Right. He sustained success in here for a while. Sure, he left on a bad note. Yeah, I was just about to say But that. I think he's somebody who is very, very strong candidate well, to get his number retired. It, it was like watching Vince Carter play was like watching – like Houdini act. He, he was going to show you something you've never seen before. He was going to put on a show. Like people, You know what? It's funny be, you mentioned that yeah. because Ryan and I were talking about the All-Star game of dunk-off today, mm-hmm. and we were saying, mark it down. The dunk contest happens. The first person to pull out a VC yes. jersey at the dunk contest is gonna this win. year is going to win. Yes. And, and you know that the, just speaks to him. He, yes. The craziest thing about all of it, too, though, is that those kids are going to go out there. They'll put on the VC jersey. What, 15 years later, with all of the stuff that, with all the medical advances and training and speed and agility stuff that all of these kids are now able to do at the level of training that they do every single day, every single part of the year, not a single one of them will still be able to match the athleticism that Carter put together 15, and by that time, 16 years ago. Crazy. crazy Think of that. Think of that for a second. He was literally ahead of his time with with the stuff he was doing on his court. Whatever he does right now, if he did it right now, our eyeballs would still be popping out of our heads. And I know he left. Chris, Chris mentioned that he left uh, unceremoniously, and you know it's unfortunate that he had to leave like that. But he still—you can't erase what he meant to this franchise and what he did for this team, and he did for the city and the kids of Toronto. It's 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 unprecedented, and it needs to be it needs to be awarded. And he, his number needs to go into the Raptors. So, last thing I'll pose with you guys on VC. Obviously, he's he might be in his final year right now in the NBA. Right now, currently playing with the Memphis Grizzlies. He either I think he has one more year left on his contract. They might buy him out depending on how he's performing right now. I think he's only averaging about four points in the game right now. So uh, I'll leave you guys with this. If Vince Carter retires at the end of this season, how long do you guys think it's going to take for Toronto to retire his number in a ceremony? Honestly, with Masai Jury here, I don't think very long. Uh, he's a guy that... Over under know, a year. 
Mm, over, over, over a year. Free money, but it, it will happen. It will happen. He'll have Vince Carter nights. You see the way he's uh, paying homage to you know the Giants of Africa. He's paying homage to Dikemi Matumbo when he's in town. Yeah. He's paying homage to Mo Pete. You know, what I mean Alvin Williams, my dude. Right? <laughs> like, he's paying homage <laughs> to these guys too. that were just parts of the team. Yeah. What do you think he's gonna do for the whole team? The whole team. Vince Carter was the the. Featured attraction. I remember Chris Rock came to Canada. Everybody came here, man. Everybody was here. Mr. Toronto's a basketball city. According to Charles, man. They all just that. walked up and went, holy crap, this city is actually kind of nice. Right. Then that was the, it's that was not the that start. cold all the time. Right. That was the start where people were starting to realize what Toronto was all about. And it was all it's because true. of Vince Carter. So his number, once again, needs to go up in those, in those Raptors. All right, so I'll give him a year and a half till the number gets retired. Year and a half, okay. Also, year and a half. You baby. want to ASAP? Yeah, I know. Absolutely, I do. It's going to happen. Rocky. It's, hey, it's he's the happen. he's the reason. He's he's the reason for a lot of things here. Let's just leave it at that. You know what's funny about one other team in Toronto is the Maple Leafs. They actually don't retire numbers, and they've had the most legends out of all the teams here. They actually only honor numbers. Good lord! What's up with that? Hit him, like, Chris. What, no, hit him. I, I really Get him. What's, do they have a solid reason behind that, or is it they have so many legends? It's because they're idiots, Nate. That's why. No, that's, <laughs> okay. that's exactly why. Chris, hit them, If please. there's an angle that you want to take with why they don't retire numbers, look at the Canadians. Basically, numbers from 1 to 20, except 6 and 8, or sans. Right. I can't say the rest of the French part. <laughs> 6 and 8, we're going to call it that, right. are retired. Except? So you could take the thing with the Leafs where all the older guys they have, could they possibly run out of numbers? Ah. I mean, well, yeah. that's something. Or do you want to take the whole... Alabama or some other school okay. in the states or teams where we don't retire numbers, we are a team. Look that at the Yankees. Approach. I agree. You can't Yankees. even get a number with the Yankees. Oh no, he might as well write like sixty-three. From, from Look, three I, to I got to say something right now. If the Yankees with their twenty-six titles can right. manage to find enough guys they got, to, spe- to support their roster, and they've got they've got enough numbers, dude, then got, the Leafs can do it. They got dudes wearing sixty-eight, <laughs> seventy-one. 86. I mean, they got numbers. They well, got, you what go if, up to 100. What if I throw out some names and you guys say, yeah, nay for retiring? Okay. All right, all right, all right, all right. I, I think like this it. one is, and you know what? Actually, just to make it a little fun, I'll say the last guy that wore their number, too. Yeah. Okay. So, Johnny Bauer. The last guy oh, that wore his number. yeah. Yeah. Andrew hell Raycroft wore his yeah. number, though. That was the last guy to wear his oh, number. <laughs> Who? <laughs> Andrew Raycroft. That's crazy, man. King Clancy and Tim Horton, number seven. Drinking his coffee right now. Honestly, Yay. I don't know who, who uh, you said, Tim Clancy? King. King, King Clancy. Clancy. I, I don't know who King Clancy it's is. It's okay, Nate. But well, I do I, know who Tim Horton is. <laughs> 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 I literally had a BLT this morning, and just for that simple fact that that BLT was so damn good, and there's a Tim Hortons on pretty much every block, I'm going to have to say Tim Horton needs to be retired. Let me just say real quick, King Clancy, the last real juggernaut GM the Toronto Maple Leafs have ever Wait, had. How do you know he that? Was. Hey man, I, I played hockey. That? I played hockey. Yeah, I know this. I'm never too old to open a book <laughs> up and read about the past. You know what I'm saying? Oh, jeez. So here, the last guy to wear his number, though? Who? Ian White. Who? Who? Mike Jones. Who? Wow. Who? <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll next move guy, on. Next guy. Here we go. Number 10, Sil Apps and George Armstrong. Definitely Armstrong. I'm going to have to go with no. Just, just for the simple fact that, you know what? I don't really watch hockey, but if your number is going into the Raptors, you need to get casual fans to know who you are. Well, his but number is honored. It's you know, honored. It's in the banners. It's in the I Raptors right now. Chris, quick, uh, quick recap of who both of these guys are. Like, are they part of? They're part of like Stanley Cup winning teams, obviously. Yeah, right? they're, they're way back in the day. Okay, okay. See, I'm not a, like a, a diehard Leaf fan, right? I won't say that. I'm a casual fan. I watch when the team's hot. I'm not a bandwagon fan either. But if your number is going into the Raptors. 
you're going to have to get casual fans to know who you are. You know All right, I'll mean? say for the sake of argument, yes. And you're saying no? I'm going to say I don't know who he is. Fair enough. <laughs> the old-time people would definitely chime in would real they? quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And with old-time people So chime into us at Tip of the Tower and let us know. Hit us up, old-timers on Twitter. There we go. <laughs> Who's the last folks? Who are the last people to wear this, Chris? So the last person to wear that number was actually Alex Steen, who now plays for the St. Louis Blues and is having himself Alex a pretty good career. What? I'm actually yeah. not that mad at that one. I'm not. I'm. I'm just glad it's not a nobody. Yeah. Well, it's actually. funny because Ryan said you retire for George Armstrong. If you retire one number and it's been worn before, wouldn't that other guy, right. Sil Apps, yeah, who yeah. wasn't just another guy, he was a good player, mm-hmm. actually have to count towards that as well? Yeah. Absolutely, I agree with that. And that's two birds with one stone. Yeah, the next like number it. I'd say is uh, number thirteen, Matt Sundin. Ooh. Yes, yeah. Like, well, you know, it's a shame because he's one of those. He's probably one of the best Leafs to ever to never win a cup, and that's saying something. Yes. Yeah, that is actually saying something. That's and, pretty damn impressive. And Matt Sundin, it was a. That's actually more impressive a than warrior, a player that man. did win a cup. <laughs> Matt Sundin was a warrior, man. He wasn't the flashiest player. But you know he was he was gonna show up when it mattered. He w- you know what I mean. Matt Sundin is the epitome of a Toronto athlete that we didn't appreciate what we had until it was gone. Agreed. So uh, nobody's actually worn his number since he's left, guys. Good. There's a reason why. You know, <laughs> no, still fresh in the mind. You, so gotta, you gotta earn it. You gotta earn it. The, exactly. The equipment guys are are not giving that number out. I promise you, it happens in all types of sports. Okay. What about number seventeen, Wendell Clark? Retire that, or no? Um, it's honored, but would you actually yeah, retire? It? I would. I would. I would say no. Really? I'm going to say no. Has anybody won that number? Sorry, go ahead, Nate. No, go ahead. I was going to say, has anybody won that number since? No, nobody's won it since. Same reason. Nobody's won it since. I agree. Recent mind. He's recent in mind. He's a guy that's more celebrated for fighting than he is actually winning. So (laughs) he was also a captain of the Leafs at a time when the Leafs were not a very good team. Uh, A lot of the fans during that era were coming out to see who's Wendell going to beat up up tonight as opposed to uh, who the Leafs going to beat. So you know what? I don't know. I think he was just a glory. You know what? I, here's the thing about Wendell Clark. Wendell Clark has made himself a very solid name in this in this uh, city. Um, he's a guy that's deserved a lot of respect, had a very respectable career. He was also on a team that did very well when a certain other player was captain and led the Leafs on a certain run. But I will say that, um, no. No, I don't think he's worth retiring. In even the same way that Carlos Delgado wasn't worth going into the Hall of Fame. Even if uh, he leads the league in commercials? <laughs> Easy there, pinball. <laughs> what about number twenty-seven, Frank Mahalovich and Daryl Sittler? <laughs> I love Nate just giving me the head nod, like Ryan, you got this. You got this. <laughs> you, baby. Um, definitely Daryl Sittler, no doubt. Uh, NHL record in points in a, in a single game, um, and especially he did it in a time that was a very uh, dark time in, in the Leafs Nation when uh, they weren't doing too very well. Um, also. You know, just the fact, you know, he was a captain, uh, led them through some tough times, but he was also, uh, he was a scoring machine. Uh, he did everything when he was on the ice. So, yeah, definitely deserves that uh, that recognition, uh, getting his number retired. Mahalovich is a bit of a different story, however. Mahalovich is a kind of guy that, from what we saw, was very talented, um, come from immigrant parents' background, um, hardworking guy. But uh, to be perfectly honest, I actually don't know enough about his career to be able to say he's deserving of being retired. His num- I know his number has been honored, and I know that he's definitely put together enough of a resume for people to think that they're going to honor him. Um, but to be perfectly honest, I guess I'm just going to have to uh, claim ignorance on this one. But uh, Mahalovic, uh, I'll say no. I, you know what? I would say yeah with Mahalovic. He, I mean, he was pretty much a point-per-game player at a time where, yes, everybody was scoring, but I still think that has to have some merit. 
So I would say yes for Mahalovich. But funny thing about Mahalovich is that the last guy to wear his number 27, which was also Daryl Sittler's. Who was it? It was Mike Pekka, a Mississauga, Ontario native. Stand up. Mississauga, stand up. <laughs> Mississauga, Ontario. But hold on. Let me get this straight. So Mike Pekka grew up in the GTA, knew that was Daryl Sittler's number, and he took it anyway? Maybe he felt like he was good enough to wear it? Maybe he was delusional at that time in his career. <laughs> I don't know if I go that far. He was a pretty good player at one point. He was a great Especially player. Especially with the Sabres. Concussions kind of... Here's, here's the thing about Mike Pekka. If we had gotten Mike Pekka about five to ten years before we got him, then yeah, maybe 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 that could warrant it. We can give him a slide and say, all right, Pekka, you know what? You're, you're, still, you're still all-star caliber level. You can do that. But you know what? To quote a great Milt Stiegel, I think he bumped his head. <laughs> That's fair enough. Okay, what about number 93, Doug Gilmore? That's easy for me. Who hasn't seen the wraparound? Right. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Okay, so it's, I, I guess we all agree that Gilmore should be retired. Yeah. Funny enough, the last guy to wear his number was... Oh, please don't tell me someone did it. No, nobody. <laughs> <laughs> was gonna say, so the last person to have it was uh, Gilmore when he jumped onto the uh, off the bench in Calgary, got hip-checked, and then oh. ended his career. <laughs> 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 the the shortest that. comeback well, in professional no, so sports hype. history. There was so much it hype. so hype. Oh, my God. <laughs> I remember, I remember tuning to CBC, right? <laughs> like 30 minutes before the game. Just <laughs> it seems Gilmore's taking a bump, and he's coming off the ice. Oh, that's his career. <laughs> I'm sorry, Gilmore. We love you, but. Oh, yeah, he's a beauty. It's <laughs> <laughs> a true beauty way to go out. <laughs> you just see now, he gets hipped up. He just goes, nope, boys. Not going to be able to do it. Just taking the skates off. Everybody have a good time. I'm out of here. Well, uh, transitioning from one team that has kind of a very lethargic ego, if you want to put it in general terms, the Leafs, especially because they don't retire numbers. I mean, I'm not for or against it. It's just kind of whatever with them. Uh, Ryan has a fun game that's going to an even bigger ego, which Woo! is WWE wrestling. <laughs> he, thought, <laughs> he thought he has uh, some players in Toronto sports history or current players, what their walkout music would be <laughs> if they were wrestlers. <laughs> So, so this segment is, uh, I don't really, I don't have a name for this segment. I think, I thought it was just a really cool idea considering that uh, Toronto's had so many big personalities come through the last, I don't know, century or so. And uh, I'm trying to, I tried to reach back as far as I could for a few people. Uh, a few of them are very recent names, but uh, we're just going to get right into this. The first guy I have is, uh, he's, he's quite the suave type and uh, he's actually been known to look better in a suit than he is on actual skates. It's none other than Toronto's own Joffrey Lupul. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> this actually suits him to it. It is fitting. I honestly, but HBK was a star, man. <laughs> I honestly like the thing about it for me that <laughs> the thing about it that brought it for me to to bring on that name or that that specifically is just because that is a guy that is a guy that wakes up every morning and honestly if I told you if someone were to say or find a scoop that that was the theme that he wakes up to every single morning would you disagree? Uh, would I wouldn't be surprised. Would you, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> find it believable? That's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> so moving on to our next one he's actually not an athlete but he was uh, he was he was truly a man who brought hope to many and uh, he truly was a man of the people and a man of the people deserves a man of the people's music. So none other, I give you, the former general manager of the Toronto Blue Jays, 
Alex Anthopoulos. Ooh. I want to see this one. Oh! <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. Yep. He can literally do this right now in Toronto. And everybody would be at his feet like, yeah. Walking back into the Rogers Center. Yeah. With the elbow pad. <laughs> yes. At the pitcher's mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Throwing the arm up for everybody. Throwing his nose in the air. Yeah. <laughs> And just looking around. <laughs> Where are all you jabronis looking at? <laughs> Finally! Yeah. AA has <laughs> come back to the T-Dot. <laughs> I like that one. That's a good one, man. Yeah. What do you got next for us, Ryan? I he, like that. He, 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 I like that! <laughs> <laughs> he, doesn't, he doesn't deserve any, any, he doesn't need, sorry, any explanation. All right, so I got a couple more here. So I think uh, we'll, all right, we'll keep do. At it. All right. Well, we've got we've got the next one. So the next one is a is a he was a true warrior in in uh, Leafs land, and uh, he deserved uh, nothing but great accolades. He, he had a bit of a, a shaky past uh, off the rink, uh, but he's kind of put it together now, and he's still a a local face in Toronto sports scenes. I give you none other than the heavy left-handed Ty Domi. Ooh. <laughs> oh yes. <laughs> you think so? I think so. Yeah, this guy, I, I guy, can see it now. This is Ty Domi or Ty Walking up to Goldberg. <laughs> I, think Ty, he, I think Ty would we, love this one. But. Yeah. He would love this one, but... Now that I think about it, now that I think about it, like, you got to have a menacing dude. Like, Ty Domi could mess some people up on the ice, but, like, you got to, like, this has to be one for... You look at the guy and you think, oh, damn, I'm in for a world of hurt. You know what I mean? Yeah. Is is this more like Colt Noor, you think? Or is this yeah. Ty, yeah, I mean I love Ty Domi. Someone yeah. more like someone more like that. You, know, you what? know what? I'd put it this way. The reason the my reasoning for, for choosing Ty Domi over Colt Noor, because it's funny you mentioned that. I was thinking about Orr. But real quickly, one thing. I actually never saw Ty Domi lose a fight in a Leafs jersey. I didn't either. Okay, I didn't one, either. He's got the streak. Two doesn't he look like the type of guy that after he beats up one guy on your team, he walks, he skates by the bench <laughs> and goes, yeah, and goes yeah. who's next? But well, the thing is, I he agree. doesn't have the look, like the, the menace. What? He's, like, he's he looked bald. At Goldberg. He's bald and stocky. No, what no, more do you want? Think about it. You Goldberg's look at Goldberg. You look I know. At Goldberg's traps. huge. You think he's going to, you're just going to, you know, disappear after he contacts you. Here's the thing with Domi. <laughs> the one thing that I could say to definitely vouch for him for the Goldberg music, he went toe-to-toe with Probert. And mm. nobody went toe to toe with Probert and came out alive. That's right. Yeah, they say so he had the he hardest head in the history I mean, of man. Probert, yeah, Probert did beat him into the ground, well, into the ice one time. But, but the fact, you know what? He time. got back up. Probert yep. said that he's one tough sob. So I like that one for him yep. as well. All right. So moving over real quick, uh, we've got another uh, leaf. I find this actually pretty, uh, pretty good. I'm just gonna leave it at this. Party boy. Um, he's. Uh, quality guy and he's also history making much like the superstar that's being represented here i give you none other than nazim kadri mm, interesting <laughs> wow oh. yes, stop the madness oh my god okay mm, okay we're grooming in the studio yo you can see you can see okay. nazim getting down to this i can see him getting down he's walking like, out Intimidating factor. Like I don't, I don't want this to turn like kind of great colleague. No, 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 no. Let me let let me let me let me let me break it down like this, okay? Both both men. This is if, if for anybody who didn't know that was the great Kali's music, okay? So um, no, no. The reason is that the great Kali he made history as being the first ever WWE champion from India. Right. Nazim Kadri, first ever Muslim that was ever um, 
uh, that was ever drafted in the NHL. Obviously, there's two entirely different cultures. Everyone, don't freak out. I know the difference between an Indian and an Arab, you know, but I think they're both two very uh, distinguished parallel. men in their group and their culture and what they've done in, in, in each of their respective sports. But not only that, they both love to have a good time. Uh, okay, I see where you went there. All right, next I one. I can respect it. Yeah. Next one, real quick. I, you know what? This one, this one says, says it all. Melky Cabrera, former Milky. Blue Jays outfield. The milkman. The milkman. That's right. That's right. Viva la raza. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, Everybody yes. knows what I'm talking about on this one. Oh, I, I, I cheat. I, I steal. <laughs> I just picture him and Diano Navarro walking on yeah. the <laughs> Navarro's got the, the cop hat on with the cigar coming out, <laughs> driving right. him in. That's right, in the mocap. Yeah, they have some fun oh, with this. This was the good old days of wrestling, man. Well, I think that's a pretty unanimous one. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> hey, I right. give that a 10 out of 10. Oh, yeah. All right, we're going to run through these last two real quick. We've got uh, the man, Mr. Firing and Brimstone himself, Mr. Ron Wilson, former Toronto Maple Leafs head coach. <laughs> oh, the doom and himself. This I is him walking into a post-game press conference. Oh, yeah, media every game. Listening. Every game. Every game, man. Everybody just looking at him. Yeah. And then, you know what? I got a foreshadow here. You got to end this with Burke. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, man. You know what? Actually, no. No, no, no. I, I'll, I'll do one better. I'll do you guys one better. I'll end it with the entire Toronto Maple Leafs organization. <laughs> okay, the entire one. The entire it. one. Let's hear it. And any, hear it. any solid WWE fan, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about with this. No chance. <laughs> oh! <laughs> dumpster fire. Oh, that's harsh, Literally. man. That's harsh. That's harsh. That is pretty harsh. Was there... <laughs> man, I messed with the Leafs, man. Harsh. <laughs> Was there any man that never took any more hits professional wrestling the big foley and is there any organization that has taken more hits than the toronto maple leafs in all of professional sports it's rough right now man but hey there's light at the end of the tunnel for the leafs man it's oh i think my. there is too you know i actually thought after you put kane for ron wilson that you're gonna come out with burke since they were so tight mm. and the undertaker and oh. just draw the brother parallel <laughs> <laughs> Literally Burke walking to every presser. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I like those, man. That was good. Yeah, there, was, there was definite truculence involved in all of those theme music. Proper levels of pugnacity, testosterone, truculence, and belligerence. Well, Burke, you don't worry. I didn't use that much belligerence, at least not this time. And that wraps up this episode of the TOT Cast. Once again, I'm Ryan Greco. That is Chris O'Cranitz. That is Natea J. You can always be sure to reach the show at Tip of the Tower on Twitter. You can always reach me at Ryan Greco 416 You can be sure to reach out to Chris O'Cranitz at Chris O'Cranitz. And, of course, Natea at Tay11 underscore. Always be sure to like our Facebook page, share the show with your friends, and I guarantee you they will like that. And finally, always be sure to hit us up on iTunes and be sure to subscribe to our podcast, the TOT Cast. I'd like to thank the Fan Sided Network. Everyone have a fantastic day. Take care. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer.
If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.